Yes, Oasis, we know we owe you $5,000 for using one snippet of the song. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from ColdSpoilation.com, and I'm joined by my co-host, Martin. How's it going? And uh, we're back with an episode directly after our Leprechaun 4 episode, our St. Paddy's Day episode, that they're kind of swapped here. Uh, St. Paddy's Day episode was a little, one week before St. Patrick's Day actually became a thing, and our... I've, I'm pretty sure St. Patrick's Day has been a thing for hundreds of years. That's true. And our new episode is g- kind of... The opposite schedule, but it had to be that way because of... Someone's going on vacation. Yeah. Yeah, well, that and theatrical releasing just made made more sense to do it that way. Uh, but you get two, week, two weeks of uh, Blood and Black Rum podcast, so... Just like the old days. Yeah, good, for, good, good for the listeners. That's what I like to say. Um, so we're back because, obviously, we um, put ourselves through all of the new um, superhero movies that hit, hit the theaters... Whether since, it be DC or Marvel. Since Civil War. Uh, so we obviously had to cover this one as well. And we're talking about Captain Marvel. The new uh, film that everybody loves to hate. Or at least men love to hate. Which I Men was, on the internet. Which I was thinking about because I think before Endgame I'm going to finally watch them all. Mm-hmm. After I was looking at it because it was on Netflix the other day. You mean you're going to watch like Iron Man 1 and yeah. 2 and 3 and... I've Thor, seen I, the first Thor. I've know. seen I've seen half of them uh-huh. now, so it's ten out of twenty films. That's right, we're up to twenty. You're gonna you got a lot to go here. I I actually think I'm probably at the same right. I I, I really didn't see anything. No, I think you're, uh, you're, prior you're to at that. twelve. Oh, because they got the you, Guardians and yeah. Galaxy films in there. So yeah, that's true. That's oh, and, and did you didn't see the first Ant Man either? No. So I'm at thirteen. Thirteen. The 13. only other. The only other one I've seen um, before Avengers was Captain America. Oh, actually, you know what? I'm at 12 because I did not see the original Avengers. Are you counting that? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm counting all 20, so I've seen 10 of them. The only only earlier one I've seen is the first Avengers and Captain Captain America, which I barely remember because it's been eons. But uh, this is, so Captain Marvel is coming to us directly before Endgame, somewhat weirdly before Endgame, because they're leaving themselves the span of, like, basically a month to get Captain Marvel in and then Endgame as well. But they did the same thing last year Mm -hmm. with Black Panther. Yeah, they did. Uh, You know, Black Panther came out, and then, like, a month later, a month and a half later, you had Infinity War. Yeah, it doesn't, and isn't it kind of surprising that it's been, like, a year already? I was looking at like my movie ticket stubs. I was like, Ragnarok was like two plus years. Ago. Yeah, oh it's my it's kind of surprising that you know it's Here already been are. a year since Infinity War. Here we are. The different. The thing is, I think with Black Panther, they weren't expecting Black Panther to be as big yeah. in, of a hit as it was. As it, yeah, leading into Infinity War. Don't think it's working that much for Captain Marvel. Like, because I think with Captain Marvel, they're more expecting better response than what it's been getting actually it's gotten a pretty good response i'm not talking it, about critical response sure sure but i mean it did it did have a great box office opening um well at this point if you've been you know watching these movies it's yeah. like then now the, the the reception has had a bunch of trolls that have come out from the woodwork and said you know what 
I don't appreciate a woman in my superhero movie. It's getting the Ghostbusters treatment. Yeah, and, and not you know, nearly as you know vitriolic yeah, as uh, wow. That was the <laughs> word I was going to use. That's wow, right. You know, yeah. but it's n- near not nearly as bad. But from yeah, I was reading on like um, you know, just like articles and stuff. How like Rotten Tomatoes had to shut down the rating because people were rating it without seeing it and all this other crap and. I just don't understand it. If it's, you if you don't like if you're not if you see the premise of it and you're like propaganda, feminist, you know, bullshit. Just don't go see it. Yeah. Yeah, the crazy thing is that people have now devoted like hours and hours of their lives to to shutting this film that they're not going to see down. And look, I got it's, news for you too. As I was pointed out by another review, I saw Red Letter Media's review after cuz I like watching the reviews and you know, I've Mentioned them several times on the podcast, but, mm. you know, they, they made a good point, though they weren't big fans of the film either, but they pointed out, yeah, a billion dollar company like Disney is going to be making a film with all this feminist propaganda shit. Are you kidding me? Yeah. They're, what's their job? They want to make money. How do you make money? Appeal to the, you know, broadest demographic as possible. Wasn't the same kind, same complaint kind of lodged about, um... That Star Wars movie. Because um, they're casting all different... Right, like, because the, they're getting, uh, you know, I guess, f- females in more powerful roles. Look, I mean, you're, I mean, there has been a transition over the past couple of years with diversifying cast and, you know, main characters to be more inclusive. Yeah. Hollywood has always, for the most part, especially for the past 30 years, has been very openly liberal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you, you know, in, in so, ways, and, so, but I mean, so like with this, in this case, like Brie Larson has been, you know, very openly, like when she was talking about uh, a wrinkle in time saying like, it's not made for 40 year old white people. She's got a point. Wasn't made for that demographic, but doesn't mean as a 40 year old white person, you know, you know, right. You might not. That's not what she was saying anyway. She was, yeah, I mean, she was saying that in a, it wasn't it, made about, for about, you like, specifically as, as it, a, and she was also saying as like to the critics response, cause what are most film critics for old white older white gentlemen yeah. reviewing films but it doesn't mean you know they can't see it, you know it's not like i right. me or you can watch like a sweet sweet Bex badass song and be like well i mean it wasn't made for me so it's not you know i think no no you can still appreciate it for me no, that's a very revolutionary film yeah you know there's a lot of nuance to it but there's a lot of people i mean Nuance these days is kind of lost. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, it, it, this film in particular, Captain Marvel, I think, got a lot of backlash for one because people um, misused uh, Brie Larson's quote from A Wrinkle in Time to make it about Captain Marvel, which is completely not true. So if you're seeing that quote uh, flying around that which Martin just... Is yeah, it? yeah, I have. That Martin just mentioned that, you know, it's not made for 40-year-old white men. Well, that wasn't even made about Captain Marvel. So um, I have seen a lot of people attribute that quote incorrectly about Captain Marvel. And for one thing, that's not true. Uh, For the other thing, Brie Larson has been pretty outspoken about making sure that women are going out to see this and making sure that younger girls are, you know... Which is the same thing that was happening, too, last year with Black Panther. Yeah. For, you know, being like, hey, we have a black superhero, you know, finally being represented. Absolutely. I think it's super important, and it's like, oh, I'm sorry that they're not targeting you specifically to go out. Like, they know this, uh, you know, 28-year-old white guy is probably going to go out and see 
a Marvel movie. They don't really need to market to you directly. Like, do we really need to have them say, like, yo, guy who reads comics and, you know, has seen all the other Marvel movies, you'll like this one, too. This We made this one for you, too. No, it's already a very hardcore yeah, lockdown. No, it's, it's the same thing like video games. I mean, I agree. Like when, like you hear like people with like like with like video games, like um, women and such, complain about there not being a broader representation. Thing of it is, for the most part, for forty years, there's been one specific demographic. You know, GTA well, yeah. doesn't pander to certain demographics. That's you know what sure. the. I mean, granted, we're starting to yeah get we're bro- getting into that, and we're, we're you know it's which is. I have no, I mean, personally, if I were like play like a role Scream. playing game, and you have somebody already kind of like, kind of like with The Witcher. I mean, sure. You if can, you had like with The Witcher, like it's an RPG, but it's already a set character, but they happen to so be like a, a black woman, it wouldn't bother me. No, just immerse yourself. Into Absolutely it. stupid to be bothered by it. But I mean, I can under, I can understand. Point I was trying to get with like the the whole like video games thing is just like it's our like you're starting to finally kind of. Yeah, broaden the demographic, but you can't. But at the same time, it's like you can't really argue that because that their target demographic has always been younger, younger males. And the yeah. same thing with like comic book movies for decades, it's been young men. Now it's like, yeah, we're expanding it out. And, and part of that too, I think, comes from um, the it, whole idea of like it becoming the zeitgeist, and that you're it's like, part of pop culture. They're sort of hesitant to now give the reins over to other people like other people can like this too they felt like they were an inclusive group of people who like the same thing and they don't want the public at large to be a part of that group and so i think part of it too is that they just really don't want to give up that sort of outsider yeah yeah, nicheness to it but again and again I, i i can't stress this enough it's not like it's being done also for like oh it's this brave like disney's so progressive again they're right. doing it to broaden the demographic Absolutely. to make money. Yeah, yeah. That's, you know. that's, that's like, for, for, first and foremost, like, I could say that, you know, Disney might have a little bit more progressive tendency, but at the same time, they're not coming out and saying, like, we're going to do this. We're not, they're not making, like, the Spike Lee's Black Klansman yeah. for, for Marvel movies. That, that was certainly not the intention. The intention was not to, like, subvert anything. It was more so, like... If we can make a film that's more inclusive, that will draw more people to it and sort of promote it that way, we're going to make a shit ton of money on that. I don't, I'm not saying that that's a, like either a good or a bad thing from Disney's perspective, but I'm, but we're like basically arguing from the troll standpoint that there's no way that a troll can come out and say like Disney made a feminist movie from this, from this, uh, and it's not even that like strongly, no, 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 like it's not, and not that there's anything wrong with making a feminist movie. I'm just saying that Disney was not the one who was coming out and being like, it's a feminist movie. We're, We're marketing it as such. It, it just definitely not like that. Not it's that. not. You could argue the Terminator and Terminator Two are much sure. stronger. Yeah. Aliens, alien, because you know, All it's not those. your stereotypical like. Oh no, girl, you know, you know, woman in distress. It's you know, especially by Terminator Two, Sarah Connor's a fucking badass. My favorite, you thing. know, in Aliens, Ridley the entire time, badass. My, my favorite thing about that is that people. That did not that were trolling Captain Marvel did tend to point out they're like I do like the Terminator I do like aliens I just don't like Captain Marvel it's like okay well then you don't make you know, like you have legitimately no logical you can sense. like it for not being if you yeah. think it's not a well made film sure which absolutely this film does have a lot of problems yeah. and for as much as and we'll get into it um for as much as I think uh, spoiler we both enjoyed the film. 
for as much uh, you know as much as we enjoy, it's still a very flawed film. It's the same thing when we reviewed uh, the remake of Ghostbusters. It wasn't the well. There's women involved, so it's that's why you know it's a bad. It wasn't that great of a. I mean, it was enjoyable, but it wasn't yeah. that great of a film because yeah, it, it wasn't. Yeah, because of how it was made. Yeah, yeah, and I I don't even know that I would say for Captain Marvel that I found it to be particularly flawed, but just you know there are some problems with it. Obviously, just like any other Marvel film, and and probably more so because there have been twenty Marvel films at this point. You're starting to see the seams in having the same sort of ideas in every single Marvel film. And, and and also, you know, if you look at what one of the best DC movies that came out, Wonder Woman, uh, there are a lot of parallels between Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel as well. So you do that more of the flaws come from the fact that we've already seen a lot of this before. And now the same type of themes crop up again and again. It's just a different scenario. Yeah, and, and, and giving it a different scenario. Now, I think, <clears throat> you know, one of the, the complaints about Captain Marvel was couched in the fact that Captain Marvel is originally a guy in the comics. And that they decided to change... Carol Danvers, is, is from what I understand, has been Captain Marvel... For a while, for, yeah. Not just for a while, for a very long time. Even yeah. longer than... You know, yeah, the original. So, so I, what does it matter? I also agree too. Yeah, that that's a stupid. I stupid mean, I complaint. think I'm I'm pretty sure Wally West was uh, the Flash longer than Barry Allen, but you sure. don't see me complaining about. I grew up with Wally West in the Justice League cartoon. Why did we get fucking Barry Allen in, yeah. in the movie? You bullshit. Yeah, you I know. know. Yeah, I, I totally think that's a stupid complaint. Uh, another, I think another complaint was uh, basically just about Brie Larson in general, and, and outside of the movie context. And at that point. Like, I agree that Rotten Tomatoes has every right to remove every single fucking negative review that was posted before anybody could have even seen the film. Absolutely. Ridiculous. It's that somebody devoted hours of their time <laughs> right. to fucking make, make an account, write a fake review, and post it to Rotten Tomatoes is just super sad. That, I mean, it's, that's... I mean, that's what happened with Ghostbusters Yeah, as well, it, it is, know? yeah. And it's, and it's completely sad. And I was like, devote... Literally anything else of your time to the to something else, and and you'd be a, like a little bit less of a sad person. <laughs> so no, if, you, I, if, you, I if agree. you made if you made an account and made a review for it and didn't see the movie and said you didn't like it for whatever reason, I don't understand that, Like that's we actively dislike you. Yeah. I just I actively dislike I don't you. understand how someone could be like yelling suppression, suppress you know my speech. Yeah, you didn't see the film. You didn't see the movie. Shut the hell up! Or I, I, you're speaking. You're speaking out of ignorance. It's the same thing when you go on Yelp and you've never been to the place. Right, like bitch, yeah. You're like, yeah, I've never been here, but doesn't look very nice from the outside, (laughs) or something like that. Give it one star. Or if you're like our friend who likes to bandy about the word hole, like the terminology hole in the wall. It's like that's using the same thing. So, uh, just I guess in our intro, we were just pointing out that we're not any of those people who are like. Captain Marvel, woman, dad. If anything, I want to see Brie Larson in things. In a skin-tight suit. Why, why don't you want... If, if you're, if you're uh, a, a tw- young 20-something male. Young 20... Yeah. S- straight male. Bump that up. Sure. Yeah, you're knocking on 30. Well, yeah, but I was talking about the other demographic for, for uh, Marvel films. But. And at the same time, too, I said... We don't need a Captain Mar Captain America that's male, and then a Captain Marvel that's male. Let's just overkill at that point. 
You can't have two captains being fucking male. It's just too much. You want, why not just have Chris Evans play both of them? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, just and completely pretend he's, like it's not he's, related he's at all. He's relinquishing his... Yeah. He's giving up the role of Captain America at the end of Endgame to be Captain Marvel. Yeah. He's moved on to bigger... He's moved on to the, you know, space. Yeah. So, all of that to say that we're not some of those trolls who uh, immediately hated Captain Marvel for whatever reason. So we gave it a nice fair shot when we went to go see it. Um, and I don't know. Should we go right into the review or do we have beer to talk about? Are we going to we we'll have anything? We'll just fucking go, go into right into it. Beer. That's right. That's right. Let's just get right into it. So the first things first, Captain Marvel, that one thing, nice thing that I noticed about Captain Marvel, that's only two hours and five minutes long, which is sort of a truncated version of the Marvel film. Normally they're reaching up 215, 220, 230. This is a nice showed some restraint. That's right. This is a nice restrained two hours and five minutes. I still wouldn't call it brisk. It's not a quick gallop through this film, but uh, it it certainly is uh, in the right direction because I don't think that every single Marvel film needs to span, uh, you know, two and a half hours. It's it's really overkill, and for a character like Captain Marvel, I think that two hours is plenty of time to get to the point. Of it, and yeah. perhaps even maybe a little bit too long. Um, which is what, this which is what I, which is what I said at the end. I'm like, yeah, eh, you know, yeah. Once again, there's a bunch of stuff they they could you know cut down and truncated yeah. to yeah. Yeah, make definitely. it streamline more. Um, I really like the opening, the Marvel credits. Oh yeah, the Stanley. Uh, yeah, because you know, as we know now, know when they do the Marvel credits and zooming in, you see like the past films of it. Going through the let each letter, and but this time they had you know every like Stan Lee cameo, you know, and had a dedication to Stan. That was really nice. It's a nice touch, yeah, for Seeing sure. As it's his uh, last appearance, yep, in yeah, a film before. De- definitely a nice touch. I thought it was. Uh, I definitely wasn't expecting it. I think they kind of even kept that. As- I didn't really see anything about it, like you know, before Captain Marvel released. I no one ever posted anything like you're gonna love the yeah. Stan Lee uh, intro, which I think would have ruined it a little bit because. You kind of want everybody to go into that and just Surprise. see it and then be like, oh, yeah. you know, tug at the heartstrings a little bit. But, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a great moment, a great tribute for him. So that was definitely necessary in the, in the runtime, I, I believe. Yeah. Um, well, actually, you know, you know what? I, I'll start out as we're talking about the beginning of the films. I'll start out with one thing. The trailers in our uh, screening of the film were completely completely out of place in terms of a Marvel film because no, most of the time when you're seeing a superhero film, you're seeing uh, superhero trailers before it. So you would have expected maybe an Endgame trailer, maybe a Shazam trailer. No, we got all fucking live action Disney films and Frozen 2. That note, by the way, sidebar here. Who honestly is fucking excited for... Aladdin live action. Yeah. Lion King with super realistic CGI that looks like it's going to be a shot for shot remake. Apparently everybody who loved the Jungle Book live action film. Nobody did. I saw it. It wasn't bad. I certainly didn't think it was bad. Um, but yeah, you're right. I don't I don't know that Lion King shot for shot remake is necessary. What uh, do you think although I'm... John Favreau is doing it, so I do have some, some expectations from John Favreau. Dumb. He did direct one of the best... Um, contemporary Christmas films of all time, Elf. So, I mean, seriously, it's just you really can't just pop in The Lion King for your kid and be like, "Here's 
Here's the here's the real version of it. This is what I saw as a child. Yeah. You know. They're just gonna like go down the entire Disney ride. Next year we'll get Pocahontas and uh sure. you know, Mul- actually no, they already did announce the live action Mulan. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Just everything. F- fucking s- stop. Yeah, I'd say, just to say that the trailer selection in our film was really out of place, really weird. I, I literally have no interest in seeing any of those Disney. Uh, and I didn't even see the first Frozen. Bit, you know. You weren't you weren't interested in that dodge one. Dodge that bullet. Yeah. And now, too, and now, too, fucking um, good old uh, Pixar's creatively bankrupt, too, for the past five years. Because all they do now is uh, sequels. For the longest time, they wouldn't do sequels, and now all they're doing is sequels. So, um, getting back to Captain Marvel, one thing I do want to start with, too, is um, I, I read a few reviews that were saying that Captain Marvel was sort of difficult to get into as a film if you don't really know about the character Captain Marvel from the comics, and I completely disagree with that. We get You get everything you need to know within the film itself without really needing to know anything about the background from the written comics. And I, I ha- do have a little bit of uh, knowledge about the Kree and the Scroll from uh, p- playing uh, Marvel's Ultimate Alliance. Because mm-hmm. there's a, when you go to, uh, it's either Kree or Scroll planet and you're like, you're as you're doing in the mid- like, Doing something with Yeah. Them. Yeah. And you're fighting it involved, so. But I, but I don't think, like, I never thought within this film, like, I was out of place or like I d- was missing something about Captain Marvel's background that um, wasn't within the film that you got at some point that they explained to you. Because I think that Captain Marvel's, um, the identity of Captain Marvel and Carol Danvers, I think is actually pretty interesting how they go back and forth between her having this sort of amnesia about who she is and thinking that she's one person and not, and then, you know, also being another person. See, this is where I'm going to disagree with you. You think that's, you don't, you didn't like that part of it. It's as cliched. In stereotypical as you get for like a origin story. True. Every time I see a story about like where the main character is just like I keep having memories of these things about my past, but I just can't remember. I just think of like every cliche like anime shown in anime sure. under the sun, where like you have three arcs of them like who am I? You don't want to know who you are, but who am I? And that's what this is. Yeah. It's just, and the fact that they have these intermittent uh, flashbacks and sometimes done very poorly, like the whole part where she's being um, mentally interrogated by the scroll and see, that is just like nauseating to like watch like that. Them like, it's sort of like a, having the flashbacks like a, like and then a, you got them like, like, whoo, like, you know, like they're. Fucking on Deep Space Nine, like, like, oh, it's this one. Oh yeah, they're, oh, uh, oh. they're using like yeah. a, a memory camcorder almost. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, the one thing that I didn't like about that though is that because like they're gonna because they're gonna know like, oh, she, what's she doing? Oh, she's at a bar on Earth with her Guns and Roses shirt, singing, you know, singing some pop song with her friend. Oh yeah, oh. yeah, you know, it's just. No, I, 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 I don't care. I really don't care for that. Not only that, too, when you get in the intro with uh, her training with Jude Law and him being like, Do you have dreams? I had dreams. What were they about? Same thing as usual. They're going to hold you back. You must, you know, it's like, yeah, tell, wow, way to telegraph right from the get go. Yeah. Asshole right there, you know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that part of that issue is with the source. I mean, obviously, they, they, 
have to stick to the source of, at, for the most part with Captain Marvel as a character. Uh, so that some of those problems just come directly from the source of the comics. Well, doesn't make Captain Marvel doesn't make it excusable. No, it's but still that, just not you're that. barking up the wrong tree with the movie itself. I think that's all. I'm not saying I'm holding a great grudge against yeah. it, but I'm saying that it's it's something that just comes across as very the, yeah tacky. And at this point, you know, as we do all these origin stories. It's inevitable. These are they, all of the origin stories tend to be very um, similar. If you th- look at uh, Captain Marvel's origin story at, when she actually becomes Captain Marvel, rather than just being you know Carol Danvers, the great pilot, it's fucking Spider Man, or it's you know it's any of those those uh, characters who were accidentally in the wrong place at the wrong time, not, and not they got strange. Yeah, they got no, splashed not, with some. No, shit you're no, you're, no, you're right. It's it's just more I. Honestly, don't really care for this. This is me, this person. I don't care for the I with the, for the story arc of amnesia protagonist who has flashback memories and is trying to figure out who the hell they are. Mm. Is that to me is just I mean, yeah. it, it definitely has comes been across as more lazy than anything. At least with Doctor Strange, it's like. I'm a hotshot surgeon, and I, you know, playboy, and oh no, I'm just a maverick, and oh no, and I true got I mean, an accident, and my hands are crippled, and I meet a Chinese mysticism. It's a little bit more. That's a little bit out, out there. I do agree that uh, as a like a regular character, Carol Danvers isn't that interesting of a person to elicit anything like Doctor Strange does, where he is. He does have like iconic. Uh, an iconic identity. He's really super rich and everything. Carol Danvers is just like a normal person who's she also been ripped Force. out of Top Gun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which to be fair, Top Gun. And to be fair, um, an- another. No, I don't want to get into it yet because <laughs> okay. because it'll be something touched on down there. I don't want to go too All far right. from where we're right. going. But anywho, the overarching plot of this film is Carol Danvers is. In a special force with the Kree, which um, from watching from reading other stuff, I didn't know they're in the other Guardians films. The Kree have already been appeared in the yeah Marvel films. Yes, yeah, does sound familiar. But they so but she's a uh, part of the special task force, a part of a elite unit to hunt down the Skrull, which is an enemy of the Kree. Who the Cree think are going to wipe them out and wipe out all life. And they've been colonizing like other areas yeah. of, of the solar system. Basically. And so they're a special unit to, she's <laughs> part of a special unit to exterminate the Cree. Yeah. Um, and then after that, we have a, the special unit try to attack a certain target to get to a, a VIP. It goes wrong. She gets thrown down to Earth during this whole uh, hullabaloo and ends up in 1995, L.A., shenanigans ensue. Yeah. Um, I think that one of the, uh, one of the elements that really doesn't work so well within that, that setup for the plot that I wish they probably had left out a little bit. Her, is Jude uh, Law's character. I was I was gonna say um, the space unit because they're the worst like commando unit ever. True. Jude, like Jude Law is like the worst like commander in the world. He's just like we're gonna go do that. Don't do that. No, no, no. Shit, shit. Things are going wrong. 
I'm just going to watch. <laughs> yeah, but the bigger issue for me is Jude Law's character as a whole, because at the beginning of the film, it's pretty telegraphed that this guy is not going to be the good guy that we're made to think he is, and he has a secret. And, Agenda. Yeah, exactly. This guy has... He's got a British accent. He's fucking going to yeah. be the bad guy. Which, don't you think, like, after all these things, too, like, if we hadn't learned from, like, any of these things... Wouldn't it have been just better from the get-go to be hey, I just want you to know, these visions you're having, it's because of this, and this is why we did what we did. Yeah. Don't you think the protagonist would be more like, oh, okay, yeah. Like, oh. That makes sense. You know, but then why, and it's like, look, we I know we took you away from your home, but it's the only way to save you was to, you know. Yeah. To, to frame to, it, to, to frame it like, daddy. you know, to frame it like that, not right. be like, you don't want to know. You know, like having Tim Meadows and fucking uh, <laughs> walk hard and be like, you want no part of this shit. You know, just, yeah. be, just, be, for, just be forthright, you know? Yeah, and, and, and I mean, if, this is basically just like Aquaman. That there's a secret they don't really know about. And then obviously, because he that character knows that there's a secret, they're working even harder to figure out what the, the Protagonist. Uh, secret is. And so... At that point, you know, they, they're, you would be better off just telling the character, like, from the get-go, this is what happened, uh, I know it seems bad, but it's really not, and just give them some bullshit example, and they probably wouldn't even think and about it. And they'd be more likely to go yeah. along with, you know, in, and, in, instead in, of, like, having it, you know. In Captain Marvel's case, it's just super clear from the get-go that Jude Law has things to hide, that he isn't the good character that everybody makes him out to be, and... and to be fair, Captain Marvel doesn't really try to hide the fact that he isn't really a, a great guy or a great teacher. He's just more, he's like super serious all the time. And, and I, I think all the Kree are. Yeah. And it's that's, just, and that's, and I think that's why they give Brie Larson these moments of levity to be like, like kind of more like, <laughs> so what am I supposed to do with these on? You know? Right. Like these like little quips and shit. But the problem I had, and this is what I was going to go talk about when we, before, earlier, Problem I have is Brie, like Brie Larson's character, is way too. I'm too serious, and stoic, and wooden, and then like, I got these quips and witty banner because mm. you know, instead of it being like, it's not like Thor where it's like this nice mix, like you know, and it free flows and it as like someone's own personality would be or mm -hmm. with iron man or captain America. she's very much at one moment like i'm wooden and stoic and have nothing to feel in that another moment i'm quipping these jokes at the bar with samuel L. <laughs> you know yeah yeah i mean i can see that i think that they i mean i think that for the most part the jokes work that come from her but more so i think that samuel L. jackson's I think him as the foil is what makes the like funnier because samuel is a great actor yeah I don't think Brie Larson is that great of an actress. She, yeah, I don't think she's a great actress. And there were times in in um, Which Captain I, Marvel where I did see that, and I, I haven't really seen her in anything else off the top of my head. So this is a first impression. It is not doing well. So if I was like one of those trolls, like <laughs> you know, terrible film, I guess if I actually watched the film, I'd be like, well, who the fuck is she to say, you know, if you know people should watch this performance? Very lackluster. I mean, I've seen Room that she's in, and she is good in Room. I mean, she basically has to lead the entire film. But um, well, I, I, I'm saying from my own, yeah, from your own perspective, yeah. yeah. And I'm not sure if that is somewhat intentional from direction that sometimes they want her to be a little bit wooden. 
Um, or if that was, you know, because she is sort of a, when she's, um, part of the Cree, when she's, uh, Veer, she is supposed to be. No, I know, but, wooden, but, but my, my point is, is, is she's in the beginning when she's totally believed she's a Cree soldier, she's very much wooden and stoic, but at the same time, there's no, like, she, like, as they're going on that mission, she's jumping in between... Being like, uh, you know, like she's James Bond throwing quips after, you know, one after another when she's fighting the scroll. Right. So my solution would be the direction would be like, you know, Brie, you're supposed to be like a Cree, very kind of stoic and reserved because that's what they keep telling her. Because from her vision, you know, her dreams, that Jude Law is saying, you have to control your emotions, you know, control your visions, you know, be centered. But have her actually have an internal struggle. Like, she's trying to be more stoic and clear thought, but at the same time, she show, show that she's actually playful with her her team and all that. Like, she's mm-hmm. like, while they're all being like, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And she's like, oh, what bullshit do you want me to do? You know, something like that. You know, so show that she's actually, you know, has a balance there. Mm-hmm. Like I'm saying, it's too much, I'm the Cree, and then I'm a human Carol. Yeah. There's no in-between. Sure. So, you're right. That probably could very well be direction on how they want her to play up certain scenes. Overall, though, I I don't think that makes her character as balanced and likable as she very well could be. Again, like, all you have to, like, just do what Thor is. Thor is serious, but he also can crack jokes and perfect balance. Yeah. Yeah, I think they, um, you know, that the part of the issues with the plot do stem from just that it's a little bit too uh, predictable throughout most of the film um and the jude law character really it doesn't i don't know it doesn't resonate that much like as a villain he doesn't really stand out um and i think it's some of the same issues that it had with um that aquaman had where it has right up he's right up there with black man where yeah, where it has a and character pointless. that just doesn't really resonate as a villain, and in this case, the bigger villain is just that um, the Cree or the the Cree are basically at war with the Scroll, and so the villain is sort of the war. You know that Captain Marvel has to sort of get in between this war and try to figure out a way to bridge the gap. And I don't even know that that at the end of Captain Marvel is. Uh, resolved enough for us to really feel like the um, the completion of the film is sort of a resolution in itself. We see like we okay, so we see um, Jude Law's character. We see him sort of taken down, and we see Captain Marvel going into space to sort of help the scroll. But the actual resolution of this uh, long feud between the scroll and the Kree is really not solved or anything. It just uh, seems to be left open to, you know, uh, continue on in the next films or whatever they're going to do with Captain Marvel. So um, one thing that it does stand out about this film from other Marvel movies, though, is that it's set in the 90s. It's got a 90s setting. They're doing the Portlandia thing of uh, heading back to the 90s for the for their uh, setting. Where was Fred Armisen? I don't know. Um, so I, I guess... It makes the uh, the film a little bit more interesting because obviously we're not set in either a futuristic mode. We're not like in 
um, space all the time. And we're also not in contemporary present day, um, you know, like Doctor Strange might be. And so it does make for an interesting setting that is different from other Marvel films. But is it really necessary to have Captain Marvel set in the 90s? Yeah. Why? Because we get the backstory on uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. True. Part of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's true. I know they've been around. Yeah. But I don't know from the movies, you know. But we get introduced to younger Nick Fury as an, uh, you know, not the leader of S.H.I.E.L.D., but just an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. And they don't know damn diddly dick about aliens and intergalactic whatnot yeah it was it's interesting because you brought up i say correct me i say correct me if i'm wrong i mean you might know uh they were introduced either captain america or afterwards like as like an agency yeah i I don't know I i don't know much about uh shield at all but you brought up an interesting point in that like what are they actually doing like what is what is nick fury doing before captain marvel i think it's like has to do like like just like supernatural stuff but not yeah i said like sort of like it's like the the division of the x-files where Mulder was working before you know he actually got into the full supernatural element uh sort of the same premise of that because like i said if i remember correctly and again if you can yell at me people if i'm wrong i think i think it has to do with like the whole like captain america and super soldier serum and just kind of like as a watchdog agency against you know Kind of like a Men in Black, but not involved in the alien yeah. aspect yet. Yeah, because he does seem like in this film, Nick Fury does seem to be sort of not in not believable, not believing like Captain Marvel would come from space and that she would there would be some um, external alien threat. Now, um, how do we know it's the nineties? Because when Captain Marvel crash lands in L.A., what does she crash through? Blockbuster. Yeah, um, there's Blockbuster, there's Some Radio, Radio Shack. Shack. Which, gotta... by the way, what's the bigger dinosaur? Blockbuster or Radio Shack? Well, Blockbuster is ha, has been gone longer. No, I mean, but like, what probably outgrew in relevance quicker? If you ask me, it's Radio Shack. The one Radio Shack we had around here was fully funded for like its last three dying years because of our one friend that would stop by and buy a speaker. Yeah, I definitely would not uh, utilize Radio Shack very often at all, unless I needed something really strange. Like, like uh, we were like, who was going to Radio Shack in like 2005 to get their cell phone plan? Yeah, no, that's it, that's true. Radio Shack was sort of an outdated beast already, like going into like 2000 because there's just so many other places that you could get these things from now you know and they often had outdated things too like even even radio shack would have an outdated uh dvd player or an out you know they'd have still have vhs players when other places were getting dvd players so yeah it just never really went with the times but uh yeah so one thing about captain marvel's 90s setting is that it does play up the very very generic ideas about what the 90s were i think they could have more fun with that yeah for sure. I, I mean, I like. I mean, granted, we do get the second best Stan Lee cameo because of the setting, right? Because it's set in '95. We get Stan Lee on the subway as she's stalking one of the scrolls. Because and the scrolls can shapeshift. By the way, they're shapeshifters. That's why they're such a threat because you you don't know if they've infiltrated your gal, you know, your system or not because mm-hmm. of it. Um, when she's stalking one of the scrolls on the subway. She's walking through and you see Stan Lee. And they made sure, just in case you weren't geeky enough to know Kevin Smith films, because as much as we love Kevin Smith here on the podcast, 
kind of an outlier on, you know, he's a niche director mm-hmm. um, outside of Clerks. So just in case you didn't know that Stan Lee had a cameo in Mallrats, you get to see Stan Lee sitting there with a giant fucking script that sat on the front with the Mallrats font. Mall rats, and he is sitting there rereading a couple of his lines over and over. That he looks up at Captain Marvel, kind of winks and nods and says hi, and then she keeps going on. And he keeps reading his script. Yeah, I mean, I love it just because it's a Mall Rats reference. Yeah, that's probably one of the most uh, obscure references, I guess, that's in the film. The rest of the '90s stuff is is pretty cliched '90s fare, like something that you would definitely like. Everybody would know. I understand. That in this film, and for the age range that they're going for, for Captain Marvel movies, they wanted to make things a little bit more um, which by the, accessible. Which, for, by the way, too, if you're talking about, like, when we're talking about demographics, like, young 20s, that 90s period, French, your sister won't remember. Exactly, you know. yeah. Yeah, so I think they wanted to make things a little bit more accessible for their audience. At the same time, though, it does come off as just a little bit lazy in the in the terms of, like, what they actually use. So... One of the biggest things is that, um, like, they went Suicide Squad and exactly. plug, plugged in a bunch of 94, 95 songs. So, what, what, what did we get? TLCs, Chase, uh, you know, we got Waterfalls. Waterfalls. We got, um, No Doubts, uh, Just a Girl. And, uh, there's a couple others sprinkled in there that really. Nirvana, Come As You Are, yep. which would have been a little earlier, but, you know. Yep. And, and so, really, all of those things are pretty much icon- iconic 90s. The end, you had Hole, yep. make me over, you know, at the end for the end credits. And, and I, w- I would have just liked to see them go just a little bit more into the rabbit hole of the 90s. That They could have done a lot more reference to the 90s that didn't need to be in your face, this is from the 90s. That could have just been sort of nice touches. They should have had Samuel L. dressed up as, more, uh, as you know, from Pulp Fiction. True, and he does sort of... Resemble, but, but but he should have had the full the, you know yeah. handlebar and afro. Sure, and that like when they're like what is like talk like when they like he's like back at like Shield headquarters like asking like I mean I know they're not going to because it's a PG film but they should have had him like someone asking him like did she look like a bitch? <laughs> you yeah, know, I, I really lit, wish that they had leaned a little bit more into the nineties there. Um, bec- and, is is when the scroll copy see those surfers and copy their look? Is that supposed to be a Point Break reference? I have no idea. Like again though. <laughs> If it was, that's super obscure. That's like on the opposite spectrum of saying like, you know, I think it was just more of a reference to where they are in in, in that sense. But but, um, I wish they had leaned in a little bit more on the 90s references and and made some of them just a little bit less obscure. Like I said, one of the perfect examples of doing a 90s uh, female-driven film would be to have a Riot Girl soundtrack. At least one time, and they just never even like that wasn't even a thought process for them. That well, they, they just decided, hey, let's just dress Brie Larson up in uh and some flannel and yeah, and rip, and, even, and, rip, and rip jeans and then put a nine inch nail shirt. Hey, hey, call back, rap, you get it, you, you get it right? Because right. out even, of all the people in the world that I think be like, hey, you know who's gonna be wearing a nine inch nail shirt? Brie Larson. Yeah, and even that, they didn't really allow to just sort of resonate. They actually have Samuel L. Jackson comment on it and say, yeah, the grunge look looks good on you or whatever. You gotta, so it's it, got to go. Right, and, yeah. and so like it's not even allowed to just be the, be there without being commented on. Because like, again, as, as, I said, as I said, like if your sister, who's only, what, six years younger than us? 
It's going to be lost on it. Five, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it. I think that that's fine that they had some references that were really just cliche, generic 90s references. At the same time, for those other viewers, I really wish... Because this is sort of... The 90s uh, setting is completely different from other Marvel films. Like, this is... Uh, one of the mo- the things that really makes Captain Marvel stand out, because if you have you take the plot, you take uh, the origin story, none of that's really stand out for Captain Marvel versus any other film in the Marvel franchise. The 90s setting is what makes it stand out. So you see, we've seen um, pictures from Patty Jenkins' Wonder Woman 84. That is really leaning into the 80s references that it has in there. It's you know, it's got the color scheme, it's got you know all of the the aspects of the eighties that really stand out and they're leaning into that. Whereas in this case, if they didn't say it was the nineties, you might not even know because some of those styles, some of that stuff is already coming back to trend now. So it's really in trend. Yeah. It's really not like the nineties style in this film is, uh, omnipresent throughout. It's more so just in spurts, like the beginning part of it when she's crash landing and she comes into blockbuster and radio Fact shack, that, you know, Samuel's buying like a, driving like an early 90s Oldsmobile when Uh, the shield shows up. Sometimes I forget how much cars have changed since then, too. Really? They're a lot more compact and not as big and boxy. Right. I mean, I forget that (laughs) even at that time in the 90s, that cars were that... Were still big and boxy? were that boxy. Unless you had like a small compact, like a Neon or Geotrack. So so that was one good thing. And you know what I was looking for? You know that scene where they're at Blockbuster and you can see the highway in the background? Mm -hmm. I was looking to see, could I catch a glimpse of a car that wasn't from the 90s in that background? It was You couldn't see it because it was too blurry, but... I was looking for it. I was like, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna, I'm gonna nitpick that so hard. They, why didn't they have like, um, see, that would have been part. You should have said it in '94. Have her like as they're doing the chase. This is what, what, see, this is why I should be a Hollywood writer. As they're doing the chase, like as she's on the subway and Samuel's chasing her down the LA freeway. Breaking news. O.J. Simpson, sure. you know, you know, yeah, yeah. you just had to go back one more year, yeah. and you could have the O.J. Bronco chase going. You know, you could show like boys in the hood in the background. You know, I hey, I would have loved to have just something a little going a little bit further, going a little bit further than just what they did in this film. I mean, I, like you're right because after that whole scene where she crashes on Earth and she's supposed to be the fish out of water, uh, and we get that chase after that, it's like okay, she's on '90s Earth, but Outside of, like, her best friend having Kelly Rowland's haircut and, <laughs> yeah. you know, and some other things that they run into, you would totally forget, like, oh, this is set in nineteen. I did forget. I did and, you know, forget. And, and again, the only reason it's set that early is because, as we know from the end, she's got, you know, she's going to have to disappear for a long time. Right. yeah. Because, again, if, if fucking Nick Fury's is assembling the Avengers... Why isn't he per- asking Captain Marvel? Pretty sure Hawkeye's getting no offense, Hawkeye, but he's getting shit, you know, kicked to the curb Absolutely. and you know for the uh, pretty Ato- much un- unstoppable uh, atomic woman. Yeah, because and and that actually segues into a really good um, discussion about Captain Marvel's powers because in this film, she, at be- the beginning, she really doesn't know how to harness her powers. At the end, she's unstoppable. Well, that's every that's see no because see that's the I, is that something I don't care for? But that's the same thing that happened in Doctor Strange as well, mm-hmm. because Doctor Strange couldn't get his goddamn mysticism shit right. And then after 
It wasn't during the fight with uh, Mads Mikkelsen. He got it. It's afterwards, after he beat him and they're wrapping things up. Now he's the Sorcerer Supreme and he fucking knows all. That's something too, that's another cliche in a part. And again, I'm not taking many points off this film for it mm-hmm. because it's it's something that happens in like almost all these films. But it's something I don't like where it's like they go from novice and then they overcome what they have to and then they're the fucking, you know. Yeah. I think what's, what's worse though is that um, Captain Marvel really does feel unstoppable in this movie to the point where at the end of the film where I talked about how there's really not that much of a villain in this film it's pretty clear that whatever happens she's gonna win like she's there's no way she's the Superman yeah she basically is yeah she's, she's the Superman of she's run on she's run on an affinity because if because what happens is the she gets her powers from Annette Benning's little time flight machine and Jude Law makes the end, uh, tracks her down. This is before she gets brought to the Kree. So back in 1989, because we had those flashbacks too. <laughs> yeah. And you know it's 1989 because she's wearing a Guns N' Roses shirt. Woo! And the space, the machine that um, Annette Benning's character Marvel is creating is powered by the Tesseract, which, if you know anything from the previous films, holds an Infinity Stone in it. So. She destroys the core, which has the Tesseract in it, blows up, and it gives her powers from the Infinity Stone, which makes, you know, makes her damn near invincible because she's fueled, her her powers are literally fueled by an Infinity Stone. So, and at the end, through being able to realize who she is, going through her character arc, who she is, and, you know, that she won't be held down by Jude Law and the Kree anymore, she's able to... Fully tap her power and overcome and become God at the end with her atomic, I can fly through space and all this other crap. I don't have a problem with her powers and stuff. Because again, at the end of the day, and this is where I can kind of see people having problems with this film as an Ikea. Because at the end of the day, now when you think of Endgame, how are they going to stop Thanos? Captain Marvel. She was literally just introduced. Right. Ten years of fucking filmmaking, and now you're just plugging her in, and she's the one, you know, Mm -hmm. out of the entire group, not Captain America, not Iron, you know. Grant, I think it's going to be have a bigger scope. I think there's going to be parts, you know, from, like, Doctor Strange, who who is dead, essentially, now, because he was one of the ones to bite the dust when Thanos snapped his fingers. But I think there's going to be an amalgamation, like Ant-Man... You know, Strange and his prediction, Iron Man and her are gonna, and Captain America are gonna, and Thor, we're all right. gonna do something to be. Yeah, able I don't to, think you know, they're gonna rely specifically on Captain. Because America. I mean, if they just relied on her, when if the end, if we go to watch Endgame and we do that review and it just winds up, spoiler, Captain, which I'm not saying this is gonna happen, but spoiler, Captain Marvel ends up saving the day at the end. You know, when the Avengers are down and out. I'd be pretty pissed off about that yeah, too. Yeah. Um, but again, we haven't seen Endgame yet, so yeah, you can't make that judgment. Yeah. But from the way this is being all being framed, it kind of seems, especially from the end credits where there we jump to the future. Because if you remember at the end of Infinity War, the post credit sequence is Nick Fury gets bites the dust, but his pager's going off and it's Captain Marvel's symbol going off. And at the end of this film, she gives him a pager while she's flying out through space. Yep. To find the scroll new home world, if there's any any trouble that you know that needs to be dealt with, 
that's really serious, uses pager, can re reach several galaxies, you'll be able to get me and I'll be there. And so at the end of this film, we jump back to the future after Thanos has won, and the last few Avengers still alive are looking at the damn page like, what is it? I don't know. And then, you know, she shows up. Yeah. Yeah, I think that they're going to rely... I mean, I don't think they're going to rely solely on her. I think it's going to come down to everybody pulling together as the Teamwork. Avengers should. And, yeah. yeah, it's doing an Avengers thing. I think it's more just, you know, setting her up to be a part of this universe when they move forward with it post-Endgame. Now, how do you like the retconning? Um, of, like, the Avenger program being named after her. Yeah. Because, because you know, her, she was the Avenger pilot. Yeah. And, the, you know, when Samuel's thinking of his initiative of, of you know, basically creating the Avenger initiative to, yeah. you know. Yeah. He, I forget what he was originally going to call it, but there's just some. The Guardian yeah, or something, something like yeah, that. The Protectorate. I don't, I don't really care. Doesn't really, doesn't really affect me either But way. Captain America is the first Avenger. Yeah, I don't care. It doesn't. It doesn't affect me either way, honestly. That really didn't stand out. To now, me. what makes me wonder is it took him ten years to get like assemble. It took him ten years to right. find, you know, to actually get it all together. And... What the fuck was he doing? Like, yeah. was <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That didn't really bother me, but uh... I know that bothered some people. Like, really? Captain America was the first Avenger because that's what they named Captain. The first film was Captain America, the first Avenger. I mean. I think that you could use it as he got the idea for the name, the Avengers, and then literally hmm. Captain America was the literally but yeah the back first in World Avenger. yeah World War Two yeah no I that's why I think it's stupid but yeah yeah you know, there's people pissing and moaning yeah, about no. that uh, obviously there would be yeah um one thing that we didn't talk about is uh, the fight scenes because Marvel's always known for their fight scenes and the choreography is generally done by the same people. So they always have the same directorial fluidity say, say over the, the fight scenes. So what did you think about those? But they're all right. Um, there's not much... Really, I, once she goes full-blown um, nuclear man with her powers yeah. and shit, there's not much... There's not much really... fighting, per se. No, it's just her... her... Just punching people around. Flying around, you know, you know, eviscerating. Literally flying through a spaceship. And, and it, making it explode. Yeah. So... I, I think what what does stand out though, and is probably an issue with uh, Marvel movies moving forward, is that the choreography is certainly not as creative as Black Panthers or Captain America: Civil War. I mean, that makes sense. Both of them were both of those fight scene choreographies uh, were a lot more creative visually than Captain Marvel's. But again. Though you're right, and I agree with you, I, the difference is Captain America doesn't have, outside of having super strength and super healing, he doesn't have superpowers. So yeah. you can have these tight, nice fights. Same thing with Black Panther. Black Panther doesn't really, I mean, his Wakandan suit, you know, gives him the ability to fight, you know, at superhuman levels, but it's not like... Yeah, it's, it's actually... Like I said, it's, 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 it's than... not, you know, like I said, fucking nuclear man yeah. just... Flying through the galaxy, just, you know, laying waste to everything in sight. One thing uh, that did stand out to me about the fights, though, sometimes is that, uh, and this happens in other Marvel movies, is that the editing sometimes is so flashy and fast that you can barely make out what actually is happening with during the fight. Hmm. And there were a couple scenes, and I'm not sure if it was our theater or if it's the film itself, but there were a couple scenes that were were very dark, where you actually couldn't really 
make out what was happening on screen versus like, you know like like the commando scene where they're like sniping like yeah like, yeah exactly like it's the it's third very, level very very dark it's the third level in Halo when you're trying yeah. to get to the pillar of autumn yeah and, but but one thing that does also um is, is something that we can applaud Captain Marvel is that it does not fall into the trap of having one of those scenes at the end where it's just fire and brimstone and yeah I know I, smoke. I I looked at you when he she was getting ready to have that fight with Jude Law. And I was like, this can't be a final boss fight. There's sunlight. And actually, granted, in Endgame, when they have the fight in Wakanda, there's, you know, sun, but yeah. still. It's still, and it's it's going to be, um, it, it's interesting, too, because they she does do a, a fight that actually takes place in a computer, uh, like, a computer system, which is sort of the opposite of having one of those fire and brimstone fights. It's yeah. more digital than anything else. So I thought that was interesting and, and a change up from some of the other Marvel films. Commentary. What's that? Commentary. What com? What do you mean? By having a digital everything. Oh CGI. right, yeah, yeah, yeah fighting yeah. the system. Yeah. Uh, I did like the final fight though with Jude Law. It was just funny. Cause I mean, it, yeah, because just just like the whole like, whole like. Oh, I trained you. You very well done. You know you surpassed, and then she just bitch slaps him into a can't. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of nice because you do have that sort of villain character who's talking way too much. You know. Yeah, just the prattling. Every, yeah, and and you wonder why somebody doesn't just be like, shut the fuck yeah, up, and just, just and just end it. And so this is that moment where she she Vegeta's his ass. Yeah, after 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 she beats his ass, just like Goku beat Vegeta in Dragon Ball Z in the first time around. She doesn't kill him. She just sends his bitch and ass like go back to the Korea, let him know I'm around. You yeah. know, poof. Yeah, it's it's actually a good moment at the end. My just my only problem is is that I just don't think Jude Law as a villain is very interesting in this film because he's just Jude Law. Yeah, he's and just like they're like play stereotypical angry British man. Yeah, I just I I wish and and the other thing with that too is that this though it doesn't have the issues that some of the other films have with uh, overwhelming villain things that happen where they are wasting some of their ideas on this film. There is still that element that could have been cut out with the um, they, special Kree guy that has the... They did waste this whole scroll Kree war, if you ask me. Yeah. I mean, I... Because it could be, like, a deeper... De- like, if that could be, like, a sequel, like, you know, a constant conflict going on. And it's just, yeah. like... At, and, again, this is where it's totally telegraphed, too, where it's, like, you know Jude Law's bad, so it's going to end up being... Oh, she's been fighting the scroll for half the film. And then find out... It's not the scroll who are evil. It's the Kree. Yeah. And they've been manipulating you. Yeah. And yeah, then you're going to help them. It, it, you know. I mean, one thing that I didn't like, though, that they waste, they Which sort I, of wasted, is that Kree guy with the, the Kree guardian guys. You know, the guys with the the hoods on and the, the, the mini, guy with the... In the mini Mjolnir. Yeah. I was wondering, like, well, why is Thor yeah. there? Like, <laughs> that was somewhat wasted on this film because that is completely unnecessary. And that was 15 minutes that really could have just been... Chopped, not needed at all. By the way, who in Amer in in NASA is not able to spot a fucking giant fleet coming? You know, <laughs> orbiting over. You don't think you know someone? Ninety five. So I'm I'm pretty <laughs> sure they had a telescope big enough to. Be like, hey, there's uh there's uh three giant spaceships, spaceships coming in. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I agree with that for sure. Yeah. But uh, just you know, you know what this film needed? Need some rip torn. <laughs> yeah. Need some rip torn there to be like, eh, shit's going wrong. Deal with it. <laughs> yeah. 
What do you think of CGI kitty cat? The flir- um, the flurkin. I really didn't mind the cat that much throughout. Like some of it, obviously some of it was CGI, some of it was a real cat. So, um, a goose the cat. I didn't. That's mi- a flurkin. I, I don't really mind the CGI in that sense. And actually, I think the CGI for the most part in Captain Marvel is pretty well done. Um, it it, it works for the most part. Um. I don't know about maybe sometimes the flying sequences with Captain Marvel. It doesn't look nearly as it looks the same as like any other like yeah. like Black Panther and all. Yeah, that but stuff. I I don't think it's like there's anything really like at this point you're we're pretty accustomed to Marvel having much better CGI graphics than DC films. And well, they better they have fucking ILM at that. True. Home. Yeah, but I thought it looked pretty good. I I don't mind the CGI cat at all. And no, I I, I the it. only problem I had with Goose the cat is the fact. Well, what the fuck's a flurkin? Octopus cat thing. Just a tentacle monster thing yeah. that, you know... Yeah, just, that comes, out, comes out and sucks it. Sucks My it problem out. is, too, Samuel L., who the fuck's like, who's your kitty cat? You're bound to get scratched. You know, that's why you got your fucking eye patch. You act like a dumbass. Yeah. Who goes to a cat, who's your kitty cat? You know. My cat would definitely scratch your eye out, too. There's The only cats I've ever known to not be, like, mean, miserable bastards when you, like, pet them is Matt's cat. Our yeah. friend Matt's cat. <laughs> All his cats are what, is, are what he calls barn cats. Just happy, playful, you know, they don't, like, like up your ass. But if you just decide to fucking flail them around and pet them, they'll just sit there like, whatever. Yeah. Outside of that, every other cat I run into is a mean, miserable cunt. One uh, one um, observation I made in this film, though, that I didn't realize is Annette Benning has really got Hillary Clinton look going on. Oh yeah, no, I was oh, I was ha- picturing I mean, her in a. She pa- always look like that. I was picturing her in a pantsuit. You yeah, know? she's definitely SNL Hillary Clinton material. She's looking a lot like Hillary Clinton at this point. <laughs> yeah, that was bad. That was you know that was the one thing that stuck out to me. Like literally nothing else about Annette Benning's character stuck out to me except that she looked like. Well, she was just the supreme and yeah. That's it. Nothing else stuck out to me about her besides that. Oh yeah, no, it was. (laughs) Oh, you know what though? One of the other um, major things issues that I had with um, those flashback sequences that we mentioned earlier Mm. about her flashing back and seeing you know Annette. Benning's character who had just been mortally wounded mm. in the uh, plane crash yeah. that they're in and and now there's a guy coming for them and and in the original flashbacks they consistently show it's a scroll guy it's the scroll shapeshifter that's coming for her uh and then all of a sudden later on when we actually mm. get the real flashback she's Jude Law! That it's not a scroll it's the Cree and it's Jude Law uh, that scene that feels like the runaround for the audience because if that was the case they should just not have shown the identity of the person car they should have just left it in like the mist and just left it at that and so you don't know who it is that and so they don't have to circumvent and say actually she misremembered it was jude law all the time i think they should even just bothered having the whole right they memories. have to repeat that flashback sequence like in full twice so they did it more it was like four yeah. times so it's sort of yeah, I, it's taxing. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah. I think like again, those are the those are the moments that add unnecessary runtime to the film, and I do appreciate that they got this one down to two hours and five minutes. At the same time, I think it could have been cut even more. They could have probably gotten it down to an hour and fifty minutes, and that would have been fine. So that was one another scene that just was like, you know, it, was, it stuck out to me as sort of giving the giving the audience the runaround on 
you know, and then having to circle back and show them opposite things. I didn't like that part of it. So, what'd you think of the soundtrack? Yeah, the soundtrack. Not, not, not the copyright yeah. song. I'm talking about like. Yeah, you mentioned it in the movie, and it definitely. I mean, I I noticed the same thing. All of the spacey songs, all of the spacey soundtracks, because it does it does have a, like regular orchestral like yeah. ding, 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 like action music, but when they're like in like, have like more like. Outer spacey moments. It goes full blown into like the guys who composed Mass Effect. Like, yeah, it's like that synthy. Like, I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite shop on the Citadel. It's like somebody constantly hitting the keys on a futuristic computer. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was okay. Um,. There's nothing iconic about this, whereas I will say with uh, Hans Zimmer's music for, like, Wonder Woman, that's an iconic score that they created for Wonder Woman. Well, better be. He's Hans fucking Zimmer. Yeah, I know. But, like, in this case, in Captain Marvel's case, if you were to, like, say to me, like, what's Captain Marvel's theme from this movie? I really wouldn't be able to tell you. But that's, like, every Marvel film, True. though. Like, they all don't... the soundtracks are very bland. I mean, outside of, like, the whatever copyright song they throw in there. Uh, they're always just bland. Just that is one here, good, like just, just kind of to fit the scene, you know. Is, it's one good thing that DC does in their films is they actually come up with, they try to come up with a theme for that character. So they like they obviously have other orchestral moments, but there's also the theme for the character herself or himself, and it's almost like the same thing as having the symbol pop up. That if you see the symbol, you obviously know that's the character. But if you hear the music, that's also the sign of the character. Whereas Marvel, they kind of leave the soundtrack off a little bit. They don't really think about it too much. So, yeah, I thought... I couldn't tell you, like, yeah, like, what? what's Captain America's theme? You know, like... Yeah. Yeah, I, that's that's one of the things that I, I don't really... I think that they could do a little bit better well Though I do think DC lacks in that, too. Honestly, even though it's been, like, 30 years since, like, Batman... Why can't you throw in, like, Danny Elfman's Batman theme? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, the animated series shows. Or, like, for, like, Superman, throw John Williams, you know, theme. Or the animated series show, which I do think the Superman animated theme is much better than John Williams' score. Like, even though it doesn't really kind of, like, fit the, like, dark and grim tone, it'd be, like, a nice callback. Like, like the first time you see Batman, like, throw a battering, like, start playing, like, the Danny Elfman theme or something. Mm. Be nice, you know, like... Yeah, I, I mean... There's nothing wrong with, like, you know, like, calling back... Like, that's, like, a proper callback. Sure. You know, compared to where, like, you know, where they do other stupid shit that's like, eh, it's, you know... Yeah. Hit the mark. All right. Is that it? That's all you got? I guess. That's all I got. I'm ready to do the... Do the, the rating. In your hiccup. Yeah. Um, all right, so... Out of set, out of ten... Nine Inch Nails t-shirts. Oh, okay. I was going to do something with Blockbuster. But... That's cliched. All right. Nine Inch Nails is still timeless. Okay. <laughs> so out of ten Nine Inch Nails t-shirts. I'll give it a seven. Okay. Um, it's nowhere near as bad as people make it out to be. Um, mm. It's quite the enjoyable film in spite of its flaws. I do think the whole character trope uh protagonist doesn't have memories and just wants to know them so goddamn bad is a taxing trope on my end and i don't care for it at all i don't think brie larson's that great in this and i don't think she's that charismatic and interesting as a lead 
though the rest of the supporting cast is pretty damn good. Samuel L's great. Her best friend, which we didn't really talk about, uh, Lashana Lynch. I was gonna say Latasha, but <laughs> Lashana Lynch. She she is you know pretty good, pretty damn good. Um, I don't really Jude Law is just Jude Law, so I don't even really <laughs> I don't really count that, but. Uh, Samuel L. like carries like the humor of this film. This film surprisingly, this film is more Ant Man and Wa- you know Ant Man and Ant Man and Wasp in its tone, and than like the rest of the Marvel films. Yeah, it's light, but it's a lot lighter than the rest of the films, uh, which is kind of surprising. I thought this would be a more serious and grounded Marvel film, mm-hmm. but it is lighter in tone. I do think the the plots kind of just overarching, just uh, stereotypical with like the whole, how she gets her powers and all that and who's her past and all that. But I do think it's, even though it's stereotypical and I don't care for that type of plot, it's entertaining enough. Even with Brie Larson being a fucking log. Um, Like I said, Samuel carries the film. I don't, it's just, it's not a great Marvel film. It's no, but it's nowhere near a terrible film. And even though I would say this is one of the worst or uh, worst Marvel films I've seen, um, it's a lot better than any DC film I've seen. Mm. If this was a standalone like science fiction action film, this wouldn't be that great. Of I'd give it probably like a five out of ten because it doesn't really have anything to go off of. But as part of the Marvel canon, it's a seven out of ten. It's enjoy. It's an enjoyable watch to set up. Her as a character in Endgame, which I do think she'll have a crucial part in, but probably not super crucial. But she's gonna be a character that's gonna be lasting after the end, the results of Endgame. So whether you like it or not, when Tony Stark and Captain America are gone, you're gonna be left with Spider Man and her. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, better get used to it, or don't, or stop, or that's gonna be the death nail in the, the franchise. Yeah, I think. Um... I would give this an eight out of ten. I did enjoy it for the most part. Um, I think it's a really enjoyable watch when you're you're actually immersed in it and you're watching it. I think when you take a step back and think about it, um, you know, in terms of just it's it's it being its its own soul movie, there are definitely some flaws with it. I agree that I don't I don't know that Brie Larson was the greatest actress in this film. She there are a few moments where she does come off as quite wooden, especially when responding to things. And I'm not sure how much of that was direction, how much of that was. You know, or, you know, the acting quality itself. But whatever the case, it does come off a little bit wooden in there. Um, I think that Samuel L. Jackson is probably one of the shining highlights of this movie. Um, So anytime that we're going to get more Samuel in a Marvel film, I think that's a plus for everybody. Um, With that said, I do agree that I think that the, the plot itself is somewhat generic. But I don't really fault the movie so much as I fault probably the source material of Captain Marvel. Um, maybe they could have done a little bit better to expand on it in a better way and not treat it as sort of like this amnesia moment that the character goes back and forth. I don't really know who I am type of thing. Uh, but I think part of that just stems from the source material and they kind of went with that. Uh, and, and, and the other thing is that if you look at Marvel, uh, characters in general or DC characters in general, origin stories, though they have different (laughs) ideas in them. They tend to be very similar. Um, they all kind of start out the same way and you can see a lot of parallels within Captain Marvel to other um, characters, franchises. And uh, I just think that's that's the nature of comic books, especially in this golden age of, of comics when they were coming out. They were just, you know, all of these characters were coming out with very similar origin <laughs> stories, especially when they were like, you know what? We really need a new character. 
Uh, just give us one. And it, I, I don't, I actually don't really um, fault like the writers like Stan Lee or anybody for doing that because they were doing it at a time where people were like, pump out new ones, pump out new ones, pump They're out new like ones. They're still like that. And it's like, you know, what do you want from me? What I, Now I got to like write a ca- character that's named like the Toast Man. And he was like, you know, accidentally stuck his hand in a toaster and he be, became irradiated with fucking toast hands. I don't know. So I do, I do see the, um, you know, the reason why a lot of the origin stories are very, very similar. Um, but in this case, you know, you're right. It, it, in Captain Marvel, it doesn't really come off as being a very interesting origin story. And the same is true of the villains. That I have a very similar problem with the villains in this film that I did with Aquaman. That it doesn't really seem like a villain that much. And it's sort of lacking they're just, they're the depth. They're just there. Yeah, they're kind of just there. And, and br- especially at the end of the film, uh, Captain Marvel really has no problems vanquishing the villains. It's like... You know, once she understands her her role, she she does it with. The, I said she literally flies through a spaceship. She literally <laughs> flies through an entire spaceship. So uh, there's not much issue there with her uh, beating up everybody. Um, so other than that, though, I did have a lot of fun with it. I give it an eight out of ten. I think it's one of the better Marvel films. Um, certainly no Spider Man. Um, and there's no more. It, it, yeah, and it doesn't match Avengers: uh, Infinity War. But it's definitely up there for me in terms of uh, one of the better Marvel films that I've seen. I mean, I I, I guess look, I I agree with your points on like the story and all that, like how it's cliche. I un, I understand all that, and I'm not taking super amount of points off for it. But I th- at the same time, too, you gotta think it's the twentieth fucking film. Mm-hmm. You gotta expand it, a little bit or get a little bit more creative with how you're doing. Even your- like because again, it hasn't stopped them from. Yeah. It's not like they're doing all this no. stuff right directly from source material. Yeah, I d- Otherwise, Infinity War would have death. You know, Thanos pissed off because Death doesn't like me. She's with Deadpool. Blah, 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 you I, know, I see your point in that you can use the source material and do a completely different creative way of. You know, they got to get a little bit more creative in the plot structure. The structure itself of the writing. It goes exactly the way that you would expect it to. Uh, she's this person. She finds out that she's you know not she that might, person. Yeah, she might have something else going on, and then somebody double betrays her, and then she figures out, oh, yeah. this is how I do it. That's exactly that's like the mo for every single uh, superhero movie that's come out. So you got to get a little bit more creative with your with your actual plot structure. You might maybe you start from the in the future and then you work your way back or something you have to be a little bit more creative on the the way that you structure the film so that it doesn't just match marvel template number two you know uh you gotta you gotta go a little bit further so i do agree with that you know even though you're following the source material you want you want to be as uh close to the source as possible you still got to get a little creative in in terms of in certain areas otherwise again because yeah yeah, I agree. Otherwise, after Endgame, yeah. it's, it's going to be yeah, tier, really tier, hard for them to be tier like tier two know. of Marvel. They definitely need to try to try to find a different way to do origin stories, um, or maybe even like not do an origin story and just do like a, a duo. You know, you do a mm. you do a two person film, not a versus film like Batman versus Superman, but, but like a duo, an Ant-Man, like yeah, an Ant-Man Wasp. like, like do, working together, and you you start with that. Because I mean, if you think about it too, like before they had everything set in stone, the first like six films was Iron Man, and then um, something else, and Iron Man two, and then something else, and Captain America, and then Avengers, and then a- after that Thor, and then after that Iron Man three. It's so, like if you think about it, like they knocked three Iron Man films out, so it's kind of like 
they didn't really have a plan. Like until they got to like a, like around Avengers, it's like all right, now we're gonna have a plan. Yeah. Otherwise, they would have started doing like Doctor Strange and all this other shit earlier mm-hmm. instead of you know waiting till the end to kind of tack it on. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you think about it, did we really need three Iron Mans on like the first ten films? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that they they definitely need to take a strong look at their the the structure of tier two of the Marvel franchise and, and, and go from there because that's really going to be a make or break. You know, if tier two is more of the same, do you, I don't I don't know that it can sustain itself. Do they own the rights to Fantastic Four yet or no? That's really in in limbo. There's actually they just announced um, Noah Hawley who writes the Legion um, mm. FX series mm. based on you know yeah, on the X Men character. Um, he wrote a Doctor Doom story um, f- for film because and it's really in limbo right now whether they can even do that film. Because I don't know, thing. I don't know if they because like I said, I don't know if they own it or if uh, Fox still owns it. Yeah, it's 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 definitely in limbo. Although Disney, Fox, D- Disney did buy Fox, so oh, did they? Yeah, so, so they can do it then. I think they can, but I'm not. I'm not sure. If they bought 20th Century Fox, who yeah. held the rights to X Men and yeah, I I think that they can. I, if I if I saw the news correctly, but uh, I just know that the Doctor Doom movie is stalled. So as much as I would like to see a well made Fantastic Four film after being burned three times, yeah, wouldn't <laughs> yeah. would you just be like, don't even bother? Yeah. Yeah. I, if anybody's going to make a pretty good one, it's Noah Hawley, because I really love his Legion series. So it, I think that that would be a, one of the writers who could do a more creative origin story for those characters. But again, like I said, like it's within like 20 years, just four different Fantastic Four films yeah, that are yeah. like kind of. I mean, because if you think about it, like where do they go after Thanos is the big bad? Yeah, like Galactus or something, right? Right. So you'd have to like introduce a Fantastic Four so you can introduce Silver Surfer and Yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm just thinking. We'll have to. Game. Well, I guess we'll see. All right, so um, we're gonna be off next week, and then we're gonna be back with a new episode, and we really have a filler, <laughs> what I'll call a filler episode, before we have to do Shazam. So the uh, other Captain yeah, the Marvel, other, the other type of Captain Marvel, the original movie. Captain Marvel. So um, I'm not really sure what we're what we're gonna do in two weeks. Um, but the other thing is because of the schedule of movies that are coming out, you're gonna get a Wamba Bam and then a Wamba Bam because you're gonna get next the the uh, not next week but the week after's episode. Then you're gonna get Shazam the week after that. Then there's going to be a break. Then you're going to get a filler episode. Then you're going to get uh, Endgame. End. So you're going to... There's like double whammies all over the place I really here. think for Endgame, we should make the time to do the review right after. Yeah. To sum up like what we're thinking then and kind of just all right. get everything. try it. It's hard. It's hard because we got to go on a Sunday and then I got to go to work. Yeah, but you don't have to get up that early. I have to get up super <laughs> early. Yeah, I I don't know what we're doing next next time though. But I think I think Endgame would lend itself to. Uh, you want to spend three hours in the movie, and then you want to go and do another hour and a half show. Uh, well, I'm saying if we like went straight out of the theater, it'd be longer than that. It'd be like it'd be Terminator Genesis levels right. of yeah. happiness. Yep. Just think that was episode two. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, do you have, do you know what you want to do next week? Do we do you have any uh, 
No, we'll think it out. Yeah, we're just going to have to think about it. I don't know if I want to subject you to House of the Dead yet. Come up with a plan. Uh, If we we need a nice Uva Bowl film. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Uh, You you can find us on uh, Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you can find a podcast. You can subscribe and leave us a nice review. Uh, We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash blood and black rum podcast. We're on Twitter at blood and black rum. Uh, we have an email address at bloodandblackrumpodcast at gmail.com, which you can write to us, let us know what films you want us to cover. And uh, other than that, you can donate to us on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash bloodandblackrumpodcast. If you like what we're doing, you want to see us do more, uh, donate to us, and it helps fund the podcast. So thank you very much if you uh, do want to donate monthly. Uh, other than that, we'll be back in two weeks with a new episode, and we hope you enjoyed this one. Take care. <laughs>